0: Hello and welcome back to Kairos. It is a time to build up. I am Joshua Pfeiffer, your host here today with Kathleen Mills. Kathleen, welcome to Kairos.
1: Thanks so much, Joshua. I'm very excited to get a chance to speak with you today.
0: And we are excited to have you here. Kathleen is a trained deaconess. And so I wanted to talk to her today about deaconesses, what they do, uh, where they come from, how they're trained, all these sorts of questions, and uh, so really looking forward to the conversation today, Kathleen. Where are you coming from today, by the way? So today, right now,
1: coming to you um, from my home in Shepperton, Victoria, still working from home under government orders, so
0: <laughs> zooming And, in. and uh, just briefly, how has the year been for you in, in Victoria?
1: Oh, a whirlwind for sure. Um, I know we, we thank everybody for their, for their thoughts and prayers for the Victorian church. Uh, we were under lockdown for a really long time uh, and have spent the vast majority of this year, um, actually since I think the first week in Lent, uh, doing remote learning, doing remote working, um, doing our services on YouTube. So quite a bit different than, than our standard procedure for sure.
0: Mm, mm. Well, we're glad that uh, you could find the time for us today in this uh, crazy year that it's been. And perhaps we'll hear a little bit more later on about what that's actually looked like for you vocationally, serving as a deaconess in, a, in the church under those circumstances. Uh, sure. So Kathleen, in the, in the big picture, what do you usually say to people when they ask, uh, what is a deaconess? Because I imagine when you uh, get to know people, you get that question relatively often. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Uh, So I tell people that a deaconess is a woman who has um, undergone a time of training and formation in order to serve the church in a professional capacity.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, So when I say that I am a deaconess, um, it means that I am employed in full-time church work um, and that the types of work that I do are related to the ministry of the church, but it is a kind of vast and varied uh, vocational field.
0: Yeah, and so I, I imagine when you have those conversations that one of the questions that would often come up next is the people say, okay, that all sounds good, so what do you actually do? And, and, and so um, what are the sorts of things that deaconesses commonly do in their professional church work?
1: Sure. Um, So there are a couple of different ways to describe this. I can explain it the way that training happens. We're trained in three main areas of service. Mm -hmm. Those are teaching the Christian faith, spiritual care, and works of mercy. Um, In the history of the Lutheran Church in Australia, uh, you talk about pastors having word and sacrament ministry, they described the deaconess ministry as a ministry of word and service um, as opposed to word and sacrament. Mm-hmm. So the types of work that deaconesses do usually land kind of in one of those three overarching umbrella categories. Uh, so things like Sunday school and confirmation class fall into the teaching of faith category. And things like hospital visits and shut-in care and things like that under spiritual care. And then... Um, the big thing, probably the biggest change for me in terms of my daily life here in my work in Shepparton is the mercy care, the meeting, the physical, emotional, spiritual, you name it, needs of the people of God in the place where you're serving.
0: Mm. And I really want to come come back to that to hear more about particularly what you've, um, how you've been serving at Shepparton uh, in these years that you've had. But probably by now, most of our listeners or watchers would have heard that you haven't got a normal Victorian accent. And, um, so, and so when you talk about your, your training, where were you trained uh, in particular for your uh, role as a deaconess?
1: Sure. So once again, that's a multiple choice answer. Uh, so I come <laughs> out of uh, the United States at a Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. And I started my university training um, believing that I was going to be a Lutheran day school teacher. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I went and I did my bachelor's studies at Concordia University in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And it was during my time there that the teaching field ended up not being where I went. And I started preparing for going into deaconess ministry. Uh, So I did the start of my studies at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis, Missouri. And then I actually finished and got my certification through... Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. So three different institutions over the course of about nine years. Mm. It's not supposed to go that way. You can do it in four at a bachelor's level at Concordia River Forest or Chicago. now, Um, Or if you have a bachelor's degree in varied, there are options at both seminaries as well. And so I did the graduate level option.
0: Yeah, but whichever way you cut it, it's a significant... um, course of training to become a deaconess from from your church body
1: it is absolutely so it Mm. is a matter of we would we would call it formation Mm -hmm. you know not just training but learning about what the office is and isn't um, learning about all of the different parts of uh, the way the church works uh, systematic theology and things like that Mm -hmm. so that you know what you're preparing for and then the you know the the settings into which you may be called.
0: And so was there something that uh, particularly caused that change in direction for for you when you're preparing to be a teacher and headed over towards the Deaconess stream?
1: Yeah, it absolutely was. Um, So I actually had spiritually and emotionally like a really hard time uh, Mm -hmm. in university and uh, was not yet accepted into the teaching school of the university. And I had to kind of take a step back and say, okay, what's going on? And it was still relatively early in my training. I still needed some language requirement for my fine arts degree. And I took Spanish in high school, probably could have tested out. But I was like, nope, I just need to fill up my course hours with something. I'm going to do something new. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I'll take Greek. That sounds fun. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and sure enough, seven thirty in the morning, you know, getting up and and hopping across campus to go into the Greek class with all guys who are pre seminary because those are the only people who take Greek. Um, but it was an open class, and as I was taking that, I discovered that I really enjoyed it um, and was getting a lot out of it. And I spoke with my professor. I said, "How can I use this? Like, what can I do with this?" He says, "Well, there's actually a program starting out in the seminary that you might be interested in." And he was the one who actually directed me toward. Uh, the deaconess program.
0: Mhm. Okay. And when you spoke about the institutions that uh, through which you did your training, mm-hmm. I think it's for particularly for people in Australia, it's worth um, just placing that in the context a bit. So there's there's sure. this tertiary um, level of Lutheran education in uh, the United States, which which is where you started your uh, your degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, But then you ended up going to both of the major seminaries. You correct me if I'm wrong on any of this. um, But what you're saying is that both of the major seminaries in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, which train all the pastors, also both have a program specifically for training deaconesses.
1: Yes, that is correct.
0: Yeah, and so it's really, I think it's a really um, worthwhile thing just to point that out, that this is mm-hmm. um, uh, an office in, in the church that is um, resourced and, and held in, in some esteem and, and, um, and you're there at those institutions training side-by-side side with, with future pastors.
1: Yes, um, and I think that that's one of the benefits. So I said, you know, when I was in university, my professor said it was just starting up. Mm-hmm. So the deaconesses had been trained, um, at Concordia Chicago mm-hmm. since 1980 and that was mm-hmm. a bachelor's level program um, and that's still going you can still do that yeah, uh, but the seminary level training was relatively new uh,
2: okay. when I
1: began I think these are not the exact numbers don't quote me I think St. Louis started in 2002 and then mm-hmm. Fort Wayne started in 2003
0: mm-hmm. I think and so, do you mind telling us just a little bit more about the, the training? So you mentioned uh, Greek systematic theology. What, what other what other parts of um, the training were there for your deaconess preparation?
1: Um, so I'm a little bit unique with the language training. It's not a requirement mm-hmm. for the deaconesses, even at the seminary level. Although I did have some other sisters who did the same same path as me.
0: You're just a sucker for punishment.
1: <laughs> yeah, I took Hebrew too. Why not? Um, so the basic kind of if you had to say the root level training is going to involve um yeah like church history um exegesis so everybody does exegetical theology uh, Mm um even if it's not in the original languages Mm -hmm. um and then a lot of the systemic systematic stuff and practical stuff so like in in st louis one of the classes that they had was called pastor as counselor, right? Mm -hmm. And it was a class about how to deal with different um, counseling situations that might walk into your office. Once the deaconess program began, it became pastor slash deaconess as counselor, Mm -hmm. um, because that was a training area that related to both of the programs. And so um, those classes were mixed. Then we also had specifically um, courses on women in the church, and courses on spiritual care of women
2: Mm -hmm.
1: um, so that in a lot of especially spiritual care situations, that's where a deaconess is really going to be kind of called into service and can kind of shine um, some situations where maybe a pastor would really want to um, elicit the assistance of a a theologically trained woman to come alongside him with some of those types of situations.
0: Um, Do you... Are there any examples of that sort of thing that you can share in general terms um, to get the sort of idea of things you might be talking about?
1: Yeah, so um, without disclosing anything, Mm. I can say that all of these things have happened Mm. in the course of my time as a deaconess. Um, Family violence issues, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a woman who's coming uh, to talk about a problem, you know, in her household. Uh, Youth issues around... uh, gender identity and sex before marriage and all of those things Mm -hmm. um and then yeah just environments where you know something that's personally and emotionally connected to to issues that women have Mm. and how that might be handled um very similar to going to a doctor some women Mm. are fine it doesn't Mm. matter what i'm going to the doctor for i don't mind if my doctor is male or female Mm. Um, but there are some women who say, well you know what if it's going to be you know I'm going to the doctor for for things having to deal with the fact that I'm a woman I would like that doctor to be a woman as well yeah, um,
0: yeah the same the same
1: happens in spiritual care sometimes
0: mm. that's a good analogy and and so you're they're doing your training all these core areas and and being prepared and when you come to the end of uh, your training what happens with uh, a deaconess what's the language you use for um, for completion and, and between that and getting to where you actually serve.
1: Sure. So similarly to how a pastor would go through training and then have a vicarage
0: Mm -hmm.
1: before he's complete, completes his studies and he's ordained, a deaconess is going to go through her training, have an internship, um, and then in the language of the programs in the LCMS would then be commissioned,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. um, as a deaconess. So... Um, Here in the Lutheran Church of Australia, you have pastors, you have clergy, and then you have lay workers, which is everybody else. Mm -hmm. Um, In the LCMS, it's the same. We have ordained ministers, who are pastors, and then we have commissioned ministers, who Mm -hmm. are everybody else. So Mm -hmm. deaconesses are commissioned ministers, um, Lutheran day school teachers are commissioned ministers, professional church musicians. We have an alphabet soup of uh, different rostered lay workers. Um, but they would all be called commission ministers.
0: And how, how common are the uh, deaconesses in um, in the church body from which you, you came? Like how many people would have been in your class and how many deaconesses might be, be around the place? Sure.
1: So uh, relatively small, especially in comparison to some of the other fields um, of lay workers mm-hmm. in America. So I'm sure there's thousands of day school teachers. Mm-hmm. There are over 6,000, I think, I looked pastors, Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: there are, on the roster right now, 318 deaconesses. Mm -hmm. So, relatively tiny. Um, So, when, you know, an average class at St. Louis, I think, was a hundred something for pastors, the number of students in my cohort was nine.
0: Yeah. And so, you... Did your training and you were commissioned and then where was uh, next for you Kathleen? We and did you and how did that work? Do you apply for roles or or was there a placement system or or do they use the language of calls or what what happened next for you? So they do use the language of calls Mm -hmm. um, and It could have been that
1: what would happen is I would have finished my internship and Then I would have been presented to the board of presidents at the seminary with all the pastoral candidates, and they assign first calls.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and call day uh, is, is a big deal at both seminaries, um, and call day is for, is for the ordained ministers and the commission ministers as well. Mm-hmm. Um, my situation was unique. The internship that I actually finished on was um, the church that ended up calling me. Okay. So I didn't have to move. Um, So I finished my internship, and then uh, Fort Wayne did not have to find another place for me because uh, the church that I was serving, Concordia Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, um, had me as their deaconess intern, and then it rolled right over into me being commissioned and being called to them.
0: Mm. And how long were you there for, and and what was the focus of your work in in that congregation?
1: Yep. So I was in Columbus uh, at... Concordia, including the internship, seven years. So mm-hmm. six years after the, uh, after my training was over. And it was a youth and man- family ministry role. So doing things like the Children's Christmas Program and the Lutheran Women's Missionary League Group and helping with confirmation class and all of those things, um, running the
0: youth group. And an enjoyable time there?
1: Yes. Oh, we loved it. And it was... Um, a smaller congregation, it was part-time, um, which served me very well because uh, we have three children
2: mm-hmm. who
1: at the time of the internship were nine months, a year and a half, and three roughly.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so I needed to be at home and doing mom things sometimes. I needed to be at church doing church things sometimes. Um, and that worked out really, really well for us. Um, and yeah we we absolutely loved it there concordia is still technically according to my american residency uh my home church
0: mm, lovely okay and it's and thanks for mentioning your family context i think that's a a significant uh point to realize that some people perhaps from different traditions different church bodies maybe think in um, say Roman Catholic terms you know thinking about the service of um, different orders of, of nuns and that sort of thing but of course deaconesses marry and have have children and there's no um, that I'm aware of there's no history of particular vows going along um, with with the deaconess movement in the same way that there have been in other traditions
1: yeah not necessarily in the same way I think Earlier on, there may have been something in the Australian tradition that I'm not super aware of.
2: Mm. Um,
1: and early on in the American tradition as well, uh, deaconesses didn't get married. You know, they mm. lived in a deaconess okay. house, you know, mm. and there was a deaconess mother, and they all lived together. And, yeah, if they got married, they weren't a deaconess anymore.
2: Okay. Um, yeah.
1: So, but that was true of teachers, too, and all kinds mm. of different, mm. you know – um different vocations at, you know, at the time. And that has, has changed.
2: Mm, so yeah, mm.
1: now it is um, not a barrier to ministry, um, to get married and and have a family. It certainly did slow me down. It's why my training <laughs> took like nine years instead of four to six, um, but um, wouldn't change yeah.
0: it. <laughs> yeah. No, the Apostle Paul's you know, words, the married, per- married person is concerned with many things. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> and um, so, Kathleen, how on earth did you end up in Shepparton, Victoria? <laughs> and for those for those who don't know, um, uh, perhaps tell us, it's not, not as if Shepparton is, the, is a place that people from overseas often go, even if they do make it down to Australia. And so you haven't landed in a capital city in Australia, but um, no. far from it
1: yeah, so uh, a, a long and sordid tale. Um, <laughs> so you have actually had Pastor Matt Anchor on Kairos in the mm-hmm. past, and he told you a little bit of the Shepperton story. Um, and it was during the course of the growth of the Shepperton congregation and the increase in the um, African immigrant population in Shepperton, and that then specifically in our congregation our, uh, in in Shepperton that they came to realize that there were a lot of ministry care needs that went along with that kind of interflux mm. and we're talking about physical needs um people calling pastor because their alarm is going off or their pilot light for their hot water turned out and they don't know how to relight it mm. um and i hope I'm not speaking out of turn and saying that he was quite overwhelmed and just very mm. um, burdened by having so much. Uh, no, to I, do. I've,
0: I've heard him say that publicly a number of times.
1: Yeah. And so when they started talking about building the church and things like that and seeking funding to build the new building, um, they reached out to the national office to, I believe, the board for local mission at the time. Um, And they were like, look, we can't help you with funds for the building, but we could certainly help you um, get some help, get somebody to come alongside you and work with you. Um, And that's where the idea of having a position of a second, a lay worker of some sort, um, began to take shape for this congregation. And a sister of mine, Deaconess Sandra, knows Pastor Matt because she does... uh, Hymnal translations, and she had just finished one in Swahili. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, "She says, boy, it sounds like you need a deaconess." Um, and so, Pastor Matt reached out to Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod and was like, "We kind of like one of those. Is there a way for us to get one of those?" Um, and as a deaconess, as I'm, I was on the roster. We get emails. just like now in the LCA I'll get emails if there's a worker position coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, I would get emails and. I got an email that says there's a congregation looking to have a a deaconess for for three years in Shepparton, Victoria, Australia. And I read it and I said, oh, that'll be nice for some young single thing just starting out. And I Mm -hmm. closed it and I went on with my day. Until about five days later when I couldn't stop thinking about it. Hmm. So I wrote the most sordid, crazy email to Pastor Matt going, I don't know why I'm writing to you. This is stupid. But if you're looking for somebody, um, what's it all about? If you're not looking for somebody, if 75 of my deaconess sisters have already applied to you and you're vetting candidates, forget I wrote. Like, mm-hmm. you know, but but what's going on? And he said, I'm happy to get your email. Super happy. I have no applicants. Here's what's happening in my church. Please prayerfully consider. Um, and it kind of went from there. Just a lot of phone conversations and Skype yeah. calls um, a a Skype interview with the, with the call committee, um, from the parish here.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, some conversations with the LCMS, what that would all look like. Mm -hmm. Um, and then finally pastor Matt came out to America for a week and did kind of final interviews and met with us, uh, just to make sure that, yeah, this is really what we were doing. Mm. Um, and it became really clear. It took about yeah, a month and a half, two months from, This is the craziest idea ever to – this is unequivocally what God is calling our family to do. Wow. Um, And then it took another eight months, I think, to actually go through the whole process. So, okay, I'm doing it. They've offered the position to me. I've accepted it. Now we have to – I had to get a passport because I'd never been outside of the United States except for the Canada side of Niagara Falls when I was in (laughs) fourth grade and you could get over there without a passport.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, And then the visa process. Yeah. and all of that, and uh, once we finally got our visa, we, we'd been planning for it, we knew it was happening. Um, the day our visa landed, I was like, "We want to, I want to be flying in a month and a half, and we mm-hmm. did it. We sold our house, we packed our stuff, and we came. Wow! And that was in May of 2016, so we're just over four years now.
0: Okay, and how's it been, and what have you been doing in Shepparton?
1: <sighs> it's amazing. We love it. Um, so, here in Shepparton, uh, I'm still considered a youth and family ministry. So mm-hmm. in that case, similar to what I was doing prior, I still do Sunday school. I still do confirmation class. Um, I do the the women's Bible study, but then just mercy care, mercy care, mercy care um, is really the the letter of the day here. I, I remember telling Pastor Matt, he's, you know, well, what do you do? And it's like, your job is word and sacrament ministry. That's what you're called to do. It's like, my job is everything else. You know, um, we have people who need help getting a house to rent, and I help fill out rental applications. Mm-hmm. We have people who are looking for jobs, and I help them put their resumes together. We have people who need to go to Centerlink, and I drive them to Centerlink, and I sit in the Centerlink office with them. Mm. Um, you know, we have kids who are learning how to use computers so that they can do remote learning. <laughs> and we have kids who, you know, just want to come play soccer with some friends on a Friday night. Mm. Um, and, and those are the types of things that I'm coordinating. Um, and then also just kind of, especially recently since COVID, uh, the kind of administrative tasks that go along with, uh, prepping worship. So I'll have a meeting with pastor and we'll talk about what we're going to do and, um, which hymns and all of those things and, and getting those sorts of things sorted as well. Um, booking people in for church because you can only have thus and so many people inside means making phone calls and saying, are you guys happy to come to the 10 a.m. service? How Mm. many of them there are you? And having it all ready to go.
0: Yeah. So you were telling, we were talking briefly before we started um, today that about your year so far. and, And so just for people out there to give them the context of those comments, how long did you Uh, You've only recently returned to to any sort of public worship in Victoria, right? So how long were you recording and doing online stuff and all of that?
1: We have been recording since Lent, um, I think since like the second Sunday of Lent. And we are still planning to record for this coming
0: Sunday. Mm. So the whole of Lent, Easter, Pentecost, basically.
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, it's been about seven months.
0: A long, a long time. Uh, Victorians have had... um, had the longest haul of this in in Australia.
1: Mm. There was a brief stint, um, like in June, I think, where they started to kind of relax restrictions and everything. And we started, I think we got up to like 20 inside. And that's when we started our first batch of uh, like short communion services just to try to get people, you know, connecting face to face again. Um, And that didn't last long at all. Um, I think it was maybe a a month or five weeks or something like that before the second wave started and we had to lock that
0: down. And so just like uh, pastors have had to adapt and be flexible in all sorts of ways this year, as a deaconess, you've um, done the same by the sounds of it and and been serving in ways you wouldn't have necessarily expected in the past.
1: Absolutely, yes. So we've been um, using Zoom um, for our Bible studies, which has actually been probably one of the biggest blessings Mm. um, that we've gotten out of this, is that um, a lot of our parishioners really like that.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: we do it at the parish level. So we actually have two congregations in our parish. We have the Shepperton congregation, um, and then we have another congregation in Echuca about an hour away. And most of the work in the parish, in terms of uh, mercy care and things like that, happen here in Shepperton. So I'm based almost solely here. Um, but having the opportunity to to do Bible study and everything with with the Achiqa folks has actually been really lovely, Mm. and we hope to continue it, even though we could uh, get together and do it in person again. Everybody just really likes having that all together.
0: Yeah, that's one of the big questions for everyone now is going forward. What do you keep and what do you...
1: Absolutely. um, What have you learned? How mm. are you going to change? Um, The other blessing is we are going to um, definitely still continue live streaming slash recording services Mm-hmm. Uh, because that has been a benefit for um, a lot of our parish members who are who are physically distant from mm-hmm. either of our preaching locations um, and find it hard to gather on a weekly basis. They have been thrilled um, that they're able to to tune into worship on YouTube um, and be able to have that connection. So mm-hmm. it's going to continue even once we're we're back to to worshiping full time in person.
0: Uh, Kathleen, one of the things that you've brought up a couple of times is the relationship between um, a deaconess and the pastor of the congregation or, or pastors in some cases, I suppose. And just wondering whether um, you'd like to say any, any more about that or, or when people might ask you, what, how would you describe the relationship between a deaconess and a pastor? How is that supposed to work? Um, what would you say?
1: Yeah, um, I would say that the office of deaconess okay, is an auxiliary office to the office of the public ministry. Mm-hmm. And in that way, um, there are many cases in a lot of different congregations where the pastor ends up being the direct supervisor, if you will, from administrative standpoint,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: of the deaconess. Um, I think in our congregation, I'm answerable to the church council. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but more often than not, I'm talking with pastor, and then pastor reports to church council. I'm present um, at those. But in terms of the working relationship between the two of us, um, it is a recognition that we are united in service to our Lord and his church in the place mm. that he's called us to be. Um, and we work very closely with one another um, in terms of how those different ministry areas are carried out.
0: Mm. And th- thanks for, um, that's a really helpful description. And one of the reasons that I ask as well and I have in the back of my mind is that you, you've also referenced the Australian history here, that there's a, our own history of deaconesses in our own church. And um, and I know from speaking with some of those women or reading their stories that this was sometimes part of the, the tension and, and, and the challenge for some deaconesses is that perhaps they um, didn't always feel valued by their pastor or, or, mm-hmm. or per- perhaps the, some of the, um, the best construction is that pastors often didn't know what to do with them and, and, and didn't know how to, how to use them and, and help equip them well and, and serve in complementary ways. Um, mm-hmm. But for you, has that relationship generally been positive or have there been challenges there for you as well working with pastors?
1: So I have been absolutely 100% blessed in this regard. Um, so I have had two calls: the one in Columbus, and and this one. This is my mm-hmm. second. This is the first time I've moved ministries. Um, and in both of those places, I have served under two pastors.
2: Mm-hmm. So the
1: pastor I came in under in Columbus took another call, and they were like, "Oh, Kathleen, we're so happy you're here. You can help us with the transition to to a new pastor." Mm-hmm. Um, and the new pastor came in, helping him start well. Um, yeah, you know, and and developing that that team ministry uh, relationship between the two of us, um, and and both of them were awesome. I love them. Um, and then I came here, worked under Pastor Matt, and then he's like, "Hey, taking a call," <laughs> and um, we're really happy you're here, Kathleen, because it'll be great to have you here for the transition to new pastor. And um, Pastor Matthias came after a blessedly very short um, vacancy, and uh, you know, helping him start start well and. He's come from other team ministry situations, so mm-hmm. he had no qualms at all, kind of sliding right into that. Um, and it's been an absolute blessing. Yeah, no, I I personally have heard all of the stories that you have heard mm-hmm. and have heard sm- similar stories, uh, you know, in America as well, um, but have ble- been blessed personally to not have to deal with any of it.
0: Mm. And just connecting some of the uh, the dots of our small circles, Pastor Matthias, um, when he went to the call there, I came into the the role in which he was in, in the call here in uh, the Bethlehem congregation. So it's a small little uh, network, our church. Yes. Um, and, and so just reflecting on that a little bit further, Kathleen, so what what is it that has made it positive for you from the pastors' and congregations' perspective? Or another way to ask the question might be to say, how can pastors or congregations best utilize, um, receive the blessing that is a deaconess, how can Mm. we avoid those sorts of problems that, that have cropped up in the past, do you think?
1: Um, so I guess I think it is just a recognition of, of the office of, of what it Mm. is. Um, and then yeah, just a willingness to, to have a a partner, um, Mm. in that way. So, I mean, and I've heard my little bits, and pieces of stuff like I remember you know one time one of the older gentlemen in one of the congregations being like oh well you know who's babysitting your kids while you're here doing evening bibles class you know and mm-hmm. it's like um, my husband who does not babysit his own children he parents his children <laughs> while I'm at work just like I parent my, our children when, when he's at work um, you know and things like that but there are certainly things that I do that there are hundreds and thousands of very dedicated church secretaries
2: do. Mm. Um,
1: mm. You know, um, but it's not just that. Mm. There are things that I do that come alongside with what a, our volunteer Sunday school superintendents do. Um, but it's, it's more than that. Mm.
2: Um, mm.
1: You know, just a recognition that we, we do have this training and we do have the, the formation um, that allows us to come along and, and serve in that kind of whatever-you-need way that I mentioned before.
2: Mm.
1: Um, and having, having the benefit of having somebody who has that theological training, who has that, you know, and, and, and trust. Like, all of my pastors have been really comfortable in trusting me with things, right? They don't need to kind of hover over and make sure I'm doing it the way they would like. They were comfortable mm. with, like, you take that and you go, you
2: know. Mm.
1: Um, you know, are in a hospital situation. You know, there's, there's the, the blessing of the office again. So, you know, I'm wearing this, this uniform for you today. Yeah. That's a, yeah. This is the official uniform of, of the Concordia Deaconess Conference, which is an association of deaconesses in the Lutheran Church of the okay.
2: Um
1: And it's, it's all I've got. Um, I, I, can I get me one of these? I don't know. This is what deaconesses <laughs> look like, you know, back in the 40s and 50s here in, in Australia. But yes. the idea of garb of a uniform. Yeah. Uh, just yeah. for pastors, you wear your clerical. Yeah. Uh you're not Should too worried them. about it at Woolies, yeah. but you're worried about it when you go into a hospital because you're there yes. for spiritual care and, and it helps the, the hospital staff to identify that. Yes. This is the same way. Um, you know, I can go visit somebody, but if I go in my garb, it's a recognition of what I'm there to do. It is yeah. a reminder of the service role that I'm stepping into right? Um, but then it is also just, yeah, an outward inter- indicator to, to those around me that I'm here for a spiritual purpose.
0: Mm, mm. Kathleen, what would you say have been the biggest challenges in your time serving as a deaconess?
2: Mm,
1: I would say that this is a personal challenge, not necessarily a one inherent to the office. Um, it is work-life balance. And that's mm-hmm. been heaps worse since COVID.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, just that recognition of, of my different vocations, my multiple vocations as, mm-hmm. as wife, as mom, as deaconess, um, and and being allowed to kind of split those out and separate them um, and let one take precedence uh, when it has to mm. is, is hard for
0: me. I, and thank you for sharing that. I wonder whether there is something inherent to the office about it, with that challenge, though, just because the uh, it seems to me that the service of deaconesses can be so broad and varied, and and they and they have this wonderful servant heart that's willing to um, plug gaps, so to speak, and and to help out in so many different ways, that I can imagine how um, that could potentially lend itself to this this being an ongoing challenge for many deaconesses.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Um- I did, we, we went home to the U.S. for a holiday last year. I did get one uh, messenger call from a parishioner, like, while I was in the U.S. And I had to be like, I'm super sorry, but I am on leave, and I'm not even on the same continent as you, and please call someone else. <laughs> um, you know, uh, but as a general rule, like, and, and that's all uh, a recognition of, of building, you know, what it looks like. So I have a, a regular work week. Yeah. Um, or did before I brought it all home. Um, you know, Thursday is my regular day off, and mm. the congregation is aware of that and has kind of slid into being comfortable about that. Um, and I intentionally take a different day off from, from pastor so that somebody is available. Mm. Um, you know, so um, guarding my time and getting better at it, I have been very blessed that, our, that my pastors have been like, hey, you know, when are you going to take leave? You know, get out of here. Go do something. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're aware of that too. And, and this year in particular, it's just been,
0: yeah. Everything's blurred even more. And um, oh, yeah. one I heard one of the, one of the words of the year is, uh, is blurs day that feeling of not knowing what day it is in lockdown. I just read this yeah. in the paper this weekend.
1: Yeah. I'm, I missed one of the Bible studies on zoom because I was just <laughs> chilling, watching TV with my daughter. Cause I was like, I don't know, like it's fine. And then like halfway through, yeah. 20 minutes after. I think it might have been even after Bible study. You know, I get a text from pastor. He's like, you okay? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, what's going on? And he's like, Bible study? And yeah. I'm like, oh, it's Thursday.
0: Uh, it's and Thursday. it
1: was <laughs> Thursday. And it was, it was Thursday. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: And what have been the biggest joys for you, Kathleen, in your service as a deaconess?
1: Oh, the people. Mm. Like just, Loving on God's people and just being able to, to be in that community, mm-hmm. um, a recognition. Like, I get to and, – and Shepperton is just particularly gifted in that regard. Like, all of our people just have an incredible gift for hospitality um, and and children. You know, like, I, I wasn't even here a week. I was brand new. They didn't know who I was. But kids would crawl up into my lap and play with my hair. They didn't care. They're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> she's from church. She's fine.
2: Mm-hmm. you know
1: um yeah and just being invited into all these families and getting to know all of them and uh just sharing that that reality of the body of christ in such a you know a personal um way mm. um here in shepperton in addition to the gift of hospitality our particularly african members um don't just Associate and compartmentalize their lives, kind of the way Western minds do. You know, church life isn't something that just happens on Sunday and then they do something else the rest of the week and then they come back on Sunday. Um, you know, it is part of their lives in a very normal way, and 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 that does mean that when they need help, right, the first place they go is the church. That's completely natural to them. Um, whereas a lot of us kind of grew up very individualistic uh, mm-hmm. in in kind of Western cultures you know and i well, i don't need to trouble the church or let anybody know you know what's going on in my home mm. life because that's not what they're there for it is absolutely 100% what we're here for mm. um, and it's a blessing to be able to to serve people in that way and so like i said that mercy care that being and walking alongside someone um, when they're when they're struggling in some way um, is, is the way the the body of christ walks together and it's just so
0: beautifully on display here. Mm, mm. And I do encourage people, if you want some more of the context of um, the and story, to look at that uh, video or listen to that podcast that I did with Pastor Anko, where he, he tells the whole story. It really is quite something. Um, and if you're intrigued by what Kathleen is, is saying, you can get a bit more of the, uh, the picture filled out from that conversation. Um, Kathleen, how much longer do we have you here in Australia for? How did your, your uh, call cool work here. We, are you seconded or do you have an appointment yeah. to it? So, are you so it's here so because it's, of COVID?
1: <laughs> it is, it is um, at God's mercy and no idea. So when mm. I came, I ended up not being seconded or called directly by the LCMS. Um, it was just the, the way everything sorted itself out. Mm. We opted to say we are coming to Australia kind of on our own. Yep. Um, I have spoken with my deaconess sisters. Like, like I'm still part of the CDC, yep. um, and in terms of the LCMS, I'm still a, a commissioned minister. I'm on what they call candidate status, which means I'm not mm-hmm. actively serving in a call right now. Um, and if when we go back to America, I can talk to them and say, hey, I'm back in the country and I'm eligible to receive a call. Mm. Uh, and that's how I would end up being active on the roster again in America. Um, in terms of my position here, it's like, like, this is really my whole life, actually, not just the, just the two countries, you know, the two countries from a church perspective. But, so here, um, I am a member of the Lutheran Church of Australia, I'm a member of St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Shepparton, mm-hmm. um, and I am a rostered uh, lay worker
2: mm-hmm. in the
1: Lutheran Church of Australia, and that's the capacity under which I serve, um, and that was supposed to be a three-year term when we accepted the position. Yeah. Um, and it was two years and six months, I think, about into that three years when Pastor Matt took the call to the national office. Um, so as part of that process, they um, offered to extend the um, appointment for a further three years, which mm-hmm. I accepted. So now I'm in four years of six. Okay. Um, the Lord knows what will happen after mm-hmm. that. Um, mm. And he'll let me know if and when there needs to be a change, mm. um, because I certainly never expected that I would be serving in Australia. Like I, when my husband and I got engaged, I remember telling him I was like, you know, marrying a full-time church worker means you could get called somewhere weird, right? <laughs> and I thought I meant like Iowa, <laughs> um, but my but my husband is wonderful um, and is a go with the flow kind of dude, and he's like. I read it to him, the, the email asking mm. for a deaconess here, and he's like, that'd be cool. <laughs> that'd be an adventure. Yeah. That would be good for our kids. You should look into that. You know, yeah. his encouragement and support is, is what allows me to, you know, be able to be mom and deaconess, mm. even on a different continent.
0: <laughs> mm. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Well, we're glad we still have you here in uh, Lutheran Church of Australia, Kathleen, and um, and we wish you and your, your family every blessing. Just as we begin to wrap up, the uh, last question I um, just was come to mind as you were speaking was if there is a, a young woman out there who has this heart for service, perhaps in the United States where there are these opportunities for deaconess programs, or here in Australia we don't officially have this Sort of track at the moment, but of course there's always opportunities to, to study theology to, um, to, to go that bit deeper and, and look for those opportunities for as many opportunities for full-time or part-time professional church service do you have any, yeah. do you have any words of encouragement um, for uh, a young woman in particular who has has that heart and um, about you know where they should where they should channel that desire and how they should go about it
1: yeah um- First place I, I would send that woman is to, um, you know, next of kin, talk to your parents if you're young and still in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to your, your husband if you're married, you know, um, about those sorts of things. Um, talk to your pastor. You know, there, there may be opportunities uh, for service, uh, even just on a volunteer basis to start, or something within your congregation that you're not aware of. Um, you know go and and study and be faithful in your in your study of the word and um in prayer and in asking god you know i i, I want to serve this is well oh, i should totally share that with you bring me back to the true deaconess spirit by wilhelm Le. um you know if i want to serve what is that what is it that god is 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 pointing me toward mm-hmm. um seek that out and talk to people about it um and then, yeah, there are plenty of opportunities. I know that ALC here in in Australia to do a theology degree is um, a different stream than than doing, like, a, a pastoral degree. Like, anybody can go study theology. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have an interest and a desire for that, go for it. If you want to go study Greek, it's cool. Like, <laughs> it, is. You know? um, it is. I'm super rusty. Don't ask me to translate anything <laughs> or do any declensions on the spot. Um you know, yeah, just
0: yeah. That's all good if, advice. If you wish yeah. to
1: serve, God has a place for you to do yeah. that, um, and ask Him to show you where it is.
0: Yeah, that's that's very wise advice. Uh, thank you for that. And uh, Wilhelm Lower,
1: yeah, uh, kind of the pioneer of of the deaconess ministry in the Lutheran Church, hmm. um, both in Australia and in America, uh, both kind of come out of out of Germany um and the training programs and all of that were were pretty similar um kind of all the way through and he wrote this this poem called the true deaconess spirit it is used um in like the commissioning service um and and the, the pinning ceremony as part of um becoming a deaconess in in america and i know that uh they're familiar with it here too and some of you might know deaconess fay um who came to Shepperton and was here for my installation in the Shepherding Congregation and shared this uh, with me as part of the installation, right? Um, he says, what is my want? I want to serve. Whom do I want to serve? My Lord and his wretched, in his wretched ones and his poor. Mm. And what is my reward? I serve neither for reward nor thanks, but out of gratitude and love. My reward is that I am permitted to serve. If I should perish in this service, if I perish, I perish, said Queen Esther. I would give myself for him who gave himself for me, but he will not let me perish. And if I grow old in this service, then shall my heart be renewed as a palm tree, and the Lord shall satisfy me with grace and mercy. I go my way in peace, casting all my care upon him.
0: Well, I can't think of a better place to end for today than that, Kathleen. So thank you very much for uh, sharing uh, Lord's poem, and thank you for your time today, and uh, for your service in the Lord's Church as a deaconess, and uh, yeah, for your your contribution to to Kairos today, we really appreciate it.
1: Oh, my absolute pleasure. Next time in Adelaide.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, I think the other the borders open at the moment. I, it depends what day of the week it is, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah,
1: you know, and and are and are they open or are they open to Victoria? Are usually two different questions right now as well. Yes. Um that's but right. That's we're we're right. getting there. We're getting there, um, we and hopefully free to free to move around a bit more soon.
0: That's right. Well, thank you again, Deaconess Kathleen, and uh, God's blessings to you.
1: Thanks so much, Josh. Take care.
0: Bye. Bye bye.